Today's episode is sponsored by Data. And by data, I mean I'm going to give you the data of how many listeners we have, who we have, and who our audience is. This way, you could know if you want to insert yourself right here in this spot and sponsor an episode, you will be heard by... Right now, we have 134,000 downloads. Okay, and Holy we have crap. Yeah, okay. Thank you. There's for that many it. people listening to us. You want to be in this slot right here. Um, an average episode, and please keep in mind that these are not time specific, and so people will go back and hear old episodes later on. So if you mark your territory on an episode, you will be there forever. So the average listen per episode is 9,100. Woo. Okay. So if you want to get in the majority, just because we love data, 95% of our listeners are in the United States. 2% are in Canada. And just because I love data and this doesn't matter to you, Mostly everyone has iPhones. I find that interesting, but that's not related. But anyways, if you want to put yourself in this spot, reach out to us. Go to behaviorbitches.com and contact us. We'd love to have you. It's Behavior Bitches. Hey, guys. It's Liat. And Casey. And we are back. And it is episode 20 freaking 7. Casey, what's 27? All right, so I spent the day with um, Brad from Sitecore emailing, or not emailing, messaging back and forth. Funny words that rhyme with seven. We came up with really nothing until I Heaven? Well, of course those ones, but I already did Heaven. We already did my ex-boyfriend was Devin, like back at seven. We're at 27. (laughs) This is real deal. So given the season, right? 27. This is what my genius idea was. Don't forget about Kevin. Home alone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> am I not funny? <laughs> Fake laugh ever. Anyways, I thought I was genius because it's Home Alone season and 27. Don't forget about Kevin. Great. Anyone want to shoot us? the movie Lucky Number Slevin. There you go. And anyone want to shoot us um, a good rhyme for 28? Go ahead and email us. at uh, Make it great. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now that was a rhyme. Get it? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Anyways. Good. Time for our five-star review. And while Casey gets that together, I'm just going to remind you to subscribe to our shit. You could do that easily by going into the Apple Podcast app. This is the best place. to. You could also subscribe on Spotify. But if you want to leave us a review, please do so on the Apple Podcast app. Leave five stars and some kind, positive reinforcement. If you want to give us any feedback, we would love it. Anything you say we think is wrong, you have a better opinion, We'd love to hear it. Please reach out on our contact form. We'd love to hear it from all of you. So I'm bringing today's five-star review from Instagram because I think we we also need to mix up our platforms. We've got so many messages um, from people on Instagram, and I want to showcase those too. So this one is from Kristen Nicole, and she Spotify is doing this thing where you can, it's wrapping up your year and showing you your most listened to things. So her most listened to podcast was Behavior Bitches. Thank you so much. And she said, I wanted to show you both both this, which was a picture of her most listened to podcast. You two have changed my life, really. I'm so grateful because you guys have made me feel like I really belong in this field and I can be a kick-ass future BCBA. 
damn right, girl, you can. Yeah, be. you can. Yes, queen. You put the work in, you lift those weights, baby. You can do this. For real. Right. And this is a good intro to our topic today. And if you guys haven't noticed, we have really cut down on the intro and you are freaking welcome for that. Um, just want to send love to everyone. And one thing I just want to say in the intro is anyone listening, I am so amazed by this SNABA safe space group we've created on Facebook. We have Amen. a lot of badass females and it's amazing how much we have in common Everyone's story is so inspiring, and I also think it's a good preface to today's episode, talking about something that you guys have been asking us to do for forever. You probably thought we were putting you on extinction and just ignoring you, but we weren't. We were waiting for the right time to talk about this topic that we all share and we hear a lot of, and today's topic is... Imposter syndrome. Wow, that was cool. We didn't even plan that. We just like shook our arms and like yelled really loud. Yeah, I know. Okay, that was cool. guys. Um, we are here to talk about imposter syndrome and Liat. Do right. you feel imposter syndrome, or do you think it's bogus? So. I don't know that I have Okay, so this podcast, everyone's been asking, everyone's been asking, and I would just hear it and be like, oh, I want to do prison. I want to do drugs. I want to do... Not that I want to do the drugs. I want to do podcasts on drugs because I'm fascinated. Um, because I didn't feel that I really connected as much to the topic, um, which was really interesting because when Casey and I spoke about it, we looked at what some of the, you know... MOs or background information um, leading up to imposter syndrome. So, um, but to be honest, the more I do feel imposter syndrome with the fact that when I look at the data from people listening to the podcast, I'm like, why are they listening to me? Um, do I really have something to offer them that they love? Do I know what I'm talking about? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Especially when we have these badasses come on our show and I'm just like, they're coming for us. What? I mean, the same happens with study notes. And to be honest, I think the more I'm learning, you know, as I'm teaching these classes for study notes, ABA, I am, you know, you get questions that help you look at things further. And the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And so sometimes I'm like, do I not know anything? Because all these things pop out and that's where the imposter syndrome comes in. But I know Casey has said she literally feels like a walking imposter. It's such a weird feeling too, because I know that I actually didn't even really know this was a thing until everyone started asking us to do this podcast on it. So we did a lot of research and listened to a lot of TED Talks, read some um, journal articles. And I'm like, oh my God, that's how I've been feeling. Like every day, the shoe's going to drop. Someone's going to know I'm not real or I'm a phony. And personally, I know inside that I'm a good person, that I'm a good friend, that I, uh, I'm i smart, I'm educated, I have a master's degree, I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I know all these things. It doesn't mean that when I walk around every day, I feel that, right? For some reason, I feel like I'm going to be found out, like I'm backstage in a movie and someone's going to come kick me out because I'm not like supposed to be there. Um, and I don't know, and we saw so a lot of the research we've done today is, A, we're going to talk about why people feel this, 
so reasons for feeling like an imposter. Um, we're going to talk about ways that we can overcome imposter syndrome. So we're that also going to we... identify exactly what it is because you know we're all about the operational definition. Hit it with it, girl. Hit it. I will. And I also will cover what behavioral principles we're going to cover today. That is going to be, you could check these items off and listen to them while you are going through your podcast listening. I don't know what I meant to say there. <laughs> I think you were going to say while you're driving. And yeah, I, I was going like... to say while you're driving. And then I was like going through and then I tried following through with it. Anyway, so self-management, self-monitoring, operant conditioning, um, talking about different environments, um, behavior skills training, verbal behavior, and private events. Those are all the things we'll be covering. Casey, can you give us an operational definition of what imposter syndrome is? Yes, I can. So imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. This is not classified as a mental disorder, but more of an experience. Um, so to put it simply, it is the experience of feeling like a phony. You feel as though at any moment you're going to be found out as a fraud. You don't belong where you are and you only got there through dumb luck. Let me tell you what, determinism, you didn't get there through dumb luck, okay? This is, the world is lawful and orderly and things happen because of a reason. That exactly. Was soapbox. So with this being said, imposter syndrome involves a lot of private events or private self-talk, verbal behavior that you are speaking to yourself. And so these are a little more difficult for us to see um, objectively or externally or anything along those lines. However, this is something common in the field. So we're going to try cover as many behavioral principles as we can within it. But we also just wanted to talk about it because we know a lot of people listening are in this field or, you know, this is common in a lot of professors as well. What we've read, a lot of females, professors. So we just want to touch on it. We'll try and make it as behavioral as possible, but I also want to say that we're talking about this because we know a lot of people who are listening deal with this. Also, we are not professionals. Do not take professional advice from us. Just listen to us and love us and maybe have a few take-home points. Um, also, the International Journal of Behavioral Science says 70% of people experience imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. That's a friggin' lot of people, and that's why we are doing this episode. Um, we don't want people walking around feeling that they don't deserve their job or their um, accolades, despite all the accomplishments you may have, right? Um, some researchers have actually linked it with perfectionism. And I feel that through and through to my core, my bones. I have been a perfectionist since I was a child, um, always wanting to and it's a, it's definitely a downfall sometimes. Cause you know, sometimes I won't get things done cause it's not perfect and I can't just like let it go. Um, and that is again, because I don't want to be found out, right. That I don't know what I'm doing. So I just work really, really, really hard, even though I'm accomplishing things and the permanent product is there. It's never good enough. So what do you think we, when Casey and I were talking about this, we were talking about kind of what led to it, or at least the setting events. And I know you guys are a little familiar with um, Casey's background, which I'm sure she could touch on a little bit more as to what she thinks. Also, um, like kind of where these, uh, like this private self-talk started. So I did watch a Ted talk that we'll put in the show notes. Um, Lou Solomon, she's great. And she was talking about how 
you can't say a blanket statement, but most people that experience imposter syndrome have come from a household with either an alcoholic parent, a drug addict, domestic violence they've witnessed, and it creates this trauma, right? And so you're constantly trying to um, either outrun or outbeat that trauma, get away from it. So for me, growing up in my family of drug addicts um, and domestic violence and murder and crazy other crazy things that I haven't even shared, um, um, okay, you can't just drop the murder bomb. <laughs> well, that just happened. So maybe that's a future episode. <laughs> um, anyways, so I was always trying to be everything that they were not. So I had to strive to become everything they were not. And when I'd come home and be like, oh, I got an uh, A plus in AP chemistry. There was no like, oh my God, that's amazing, Casey. You're so wonderful. Like there was none of that. So it just fell flat all the time for me. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I am fake. Maybe I am not like good enough because no one's telling me that I'm good enough. So you weren't reinforced for that. Right. That's really interesting. Cause when I think of the opposite, I would come and be, tell my parents, mom and dad, I got a hundred on the SAT, like literally a hundred out of 1600. And they were like, you are bloody brilliant. That's our girl. Yeah, girl. Yeah, baby. Yeah. You it was know? so funny. I was telling Liada, I was like in the top 10% of my class, not 10, but 10%. And she was like, oh, I like barely made top 50 by like one. And I was like, oh, and like, and we talk about how we're so incredibly different and totally. who we are and why we also work so well. I also want to talk about these, Let okay. me just add one little protection factor for my. First of all, I really did not care about academics when I was younger until I found what I was really interested in. I'm like the typical ADHD kid. However, I went to school with the richest, brattiest kids whose parents would get them every form of tutoring to make sure that they made top 10% of the grade. And my parents, being foreigners, did not play into this competition of American universities and blah, blah, blah to fit into the elite. So that is one other thing. But also, I didn't care. I didn't have the MO there. But just saying, that makes a difference. Like, I barely had food on the table at night and, like, <laughs> walked to school because my mom's <laughs> car wasn't working. The heat was off. I still was top 10% of my class. No, yeah. I agree. I'm saying that there no, was an MO there. That's amazing. It, it served as an MO to make you want to do it more. I was like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to, I remember my mom used to, they used to smoke cigarettes in the house. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, which I know you do, but it's my life. Sorry. Um, and they would, all my clothes would smell like smoke. And I was like, I can't let people, I'm like 10 years old. Like they're going to think I smoke cigarettes. And my mom's like, you worry about everything. She always would call me. She's like, you're such a worry wart. And I'm like, and I'd have all this anxiety. So I would literally, after Which my does suck because I do remember some kids being like, this kid smells like smoke. Gross. It's so bad. And you get stigmatized. And I didn't want that. So I remember doing my laundry and I would put it outside in the, even in the winter and it would like freeze, but I'd like get dressed like outside really fast so that like I wasn't smelling like cigarettes. That's like a really sad story. Isn't Did it? you do your own laundry when you were 10? Oh, yes. I made dinners. <laughs> I... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm an imposter being on here sharing my story. <laughs> I am such an imposter. I can't. I'm feeling like really empowered right now. No, I was joking. I was saying to her earlier, I feel like I'm an imposter doing this imposter syndrome, but it's something that it's so important to talk about. I know everyone probably driving down the road is like, yes, yes, I feel it. Tell us more about it. So famous people feel it too, you guys. Maya Angelou, right? She has a quote. I, she said, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run my game on everyone and they're going to find me out. Maya freaking Angelo. Okay. Einstein, Albert Einstein said he thought he would be found out as an involuntary swindler. Like he also felt the imposter syndrome. It's not just you and I, it's 
and these very high achieving people. And I think that the more you achieve, the more you feel it. And I was looking up different research and I found this article called, or it was actually a journal article. Yeah. Called feeling fraudulent, some moral quandaries of a feminist instructor. And this article had spoke about this one book and it was quoting this book, Mary McCarthy's novel. And it talks about it saying, it's talking more about the academic field and saying they believe the entire academic world is divided into three groups. He calls these groups the, there's the one group one, admitted frauds. Number two, the hypocritical frauds. And three, the unconscious frauds. Oh boy, explain those. And I thought it was really interesting because it it was saying that, um, and the author of this was saying that they put them, they put themselves personally into the, um, into the first category, which was admitted frauds. Um, in the, he said, I even fantasize about opening a special chapter of Frauds Anonymous for university instructors. <laughs> I am Professor X and I'm a fraud. For when I teach, I suffer from the imposter syndrome. And um, what this further went into, which I found really interesting was, so these professors who are you know so highly um, regarded and looked at as being really intelligent and smart and knowing all these different things, um, they feel um, feelings of, I need to live up to this, that everyone's thinking I'm this genius in this area. And um, through different research studies, which I also found in another article. You're which, so smart right now, Leah. I'm I sound so smart. Well, you're just like, you're flipping through journal articles. You're just, you're really impressing me today. You're so not an imposter. You're really, no, I feel like I am too. Don't worry. So this, this other article called the imposter syndrome is related to teaching evaluations and advising relationships of university faculty members. I found really interesting. And Casey, I think you wrote it in here somewhere because I was telling you, but. um, Oh yeah, where did I put it? So they were saying individuals with imposter syndrome are often intelligent and high achievers and hence some university faculty may show symptoms of the syndrome. Um, And what they were saying is that oftentimes people, when they have a presence of imposter feelings, it may be related to low effectiveness of instructors. So, and how this is happening is that these instructors are feeling like I'm an imposter. I don't know all this. So they're not opening up the availability to do research or studies or supervision or advising for these students, they're closing themselves off more because they don't want to open up the opportunity that they get, quote unquote, found out as a fraud. And so it's actually creating, um, I mean, it's affecting their effectiveness of instructors. Um, I don't have the exact measurement of what they're using to see the effectiveness, but I do see there's different questionnaires they use along the way, imposter phenomenon questionnaire um, and different things like that. But I found it really interesting. So you could look at what it actually affected in terms of their um, overt behaviors, like the amount of engagement they have with students or how many office hours they, you know. Open up. Yeah. And different things like that. So I found this really interesting. And I actually reached out to Ryan Sane, you know, my site core. Name drop. Name drop. Mic drop. And <laughs> and. I asked him, I was like, is there anything I'm missing? Because I want to make sure that we're, I know we're talking about something that a lot of behavior analysts go through, but I also want to talk about things from a behavioral perspective. And he said, to be honest, only 10 years after I got my PhD, did I start feeling like I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Woo. And he said, 
And it's all really normal. Um, it's probably a normal sign and a sign that you're an ethical person, um, which is really cool because I actually, one thing, I don't want to go too off track, but I found it really interesting about there's an opposite to imposter syndrome. Did you run across this, Casey, when you were studying? Yeah, you I, saw that. I, well, I saw it in, um, in our amazing outline that we type up for each one of these episodes. The Dunning-Kruger effect. Just want to say opposite. It's you think you're much more than you actually are, whereas imposter, you think you're less than and you don't deserve to be in the position that you're in. So I just- Some days I feel like I'd rather have that. Like, I am so, I want to wake up in the morning. There's this video on YouTube of this little girl. Have you seen it? I think we need to put it on our Instagram. She's like in, she's standing on the counter and she's like, I am amazing. She's like this like four-year-old. And she's like, I am beautiful. I love life. Life is amazing. I, like, sh she's so cute. We're going to post it. Don't worry, guys, on Instagram. Anyways, let's go into some reasons for why people feel like an imposter. And a big one for me, I know, and I know a lot of people given the day and age we're in is social freaking media, right? Comparing ourselves to others all the time. You scroll through, their life looks so perfect. Why Why are they doing so much better than me? Why are they posting more than me? Why, like, they're so happy in their relationship. Like, why does my life suck? I'm here by myself sitting here with a pizza on my lap and a Bud Light and They like, look so like good. Shit. They look so good. They're such an amazing behavior analyst going to do work in Africa with these kids. Wow, I'm so shitty. I've only been at the same place doing the same thing over and over. We're always comparing ourselves. And comparison, guys, is the thief of joy. All right? And I, trust me, I'll be driving down the road even today. I was thinking in my head, Liat was posting in behavior bitches for um, the Instagram. And I'm like, I'm not good enough. I didn't post about the episode today. Like I should have done that. <laughs> like I run the account and it's like such a weird. Why? I, We're a team, dude. I, no, totally. I get it. It's completely irrational. And I have five more posts to do too. I was like, I'm not going to do <laughs> five in a row. That's too much. That's satiation. So I'll spread them out a little bit up until the episode comes out. But just so you guys seeing people's life on Instagram or fake book, as I call it, um, it's not real life. Okay. People post things to make themselves look better than they are. And the last thing and the most, I think, crucial is don't wake up in the morning and start scrolling through. I'm saying this as, although I do it every single morning, but try not to, because you don't want to start your day off thinking somebody else is doing better things than you're doing. Focus on what you're doing. Okay. Did I tell you what I decided, by the way? This is a side note. So everyone listening to keep me accountable. I decided first thing in the morning when I wake up every day, I am going to reread the entire Cooper book three pages at a time. That's what I decided first thing in the morning because, you know, how I know a lot of stuff. Did you divide it by how many pages there are to see how long? No, I haven't done that yet. But But I decided because, you know, every time I'm learning and I'm writing questions for the app or something, I'm learning new stuff along the way. And so I decided I'm just going to read it again. And that'll be the first thing I look at. My phone, no matter what, has like 5 billion notifications. Like even my text right now has 91 texts in there. You can see that right there. That's stressful. You think the, like, do you think the listeners can see that? No, I'm showing you. Oh, <laughs> I was like, we're not on a live Zoom here. Yeah, no, here. Um, but that's, that's what I'm going to start doing. But anyways, because it's really hard when you see other people doing all this amazing stuff. But remember, all this social media has a delete button. Actually, that thing that people have been posting lately in our Snap a Safe Space of their actual picture and what was actually happening behind the scenes yep. is freaking amazing. Like I was and getting married when I was 24 and it was this beautiful beach wedding and I'm walking up with my hands in the air. My ex-husband, we looked so happy. And I was like, he literally like beat me like three days before that and like locked me in a closet. So like, well, not exactly that story, but you know what I mean? I'm like, look how happy I look. 
in reality, that's not true. So also another reason is having careers that involve highly high criticism, right? And I know as behavior analysts, we are in a field that does have a lot of criticism and it's also a high stress job. So these are other things that can lead to feeling like an imposter, right? You don't, maybe you didn't have good mentorship. Maybe you didn't have good supervision and you're feeling like I have my BCBA, but who am I now? Like you need to, that's another thing that you need to think about. Um, and what's the last one? Well, with this being said, I also, I want to add one other thing in that recently we've run into some criticism from people who are really educated in the field, you know, and we're like, wait, are we not, is it not okay that we're sharing this information? Are we not educated enough to be doing it? And first of all, we want the feedback and we would love to have anyone who is an expert in any area and can bring us more knowledge. We just want to learn, learn, learn. So anyone reaching out, but you know, so then it comes into questioning yourself. Like you're right. There are these people who have come up with all this literature and this research and this and that. So am I good enough to be presenting this? And then you kind of have to reset yourself to your goals. Well, what are my goals right now? I want to bring people in who are not necessarily even studying behavior. I want them to have a general idea that, wow, these three basic principles, reinforcement, punishment, extinction play into everything. So this is something that I just want to say, like a example that we've run into recently saying, are we okay to be doing this? Are, are we imposters? Should we not be doing it? Do we know enough? Do we not? So, and after seeking guidance from a lot of people, they said the main goal is just to do better, do the best you can every time you are doing something and, you know, put in the work you can put in, try, find the resources, try, look up the research, the articles, whatever it is for when you're doing something and just do the best you can. I think you assume everyone else is always just doing the best at all times but everyone is just doing their best. And especially when you're putting yourself in a position to be in the, you know. To be criticized. Like, yes. Again. Like literally we are putting ourselves out there on a podcast, <laughs> calling ourselves the behavior bitches. I mean, that is just like, I'm sure. Like rain down people, on me criticism. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's like these people who are so brilliant in our field, who we look up to are like, who are these two chicks calling themselves the behavior bitches? We're sorry. We love you and we just want to learn and we are just And so- hey, call us. We'd love to have you on the podcast. So I have to tell a story real quick about the the TED talk I watched. Um, It was called the the surprising solution to the imposter syndrome. And I talked about Lou Solomon a little bit before this, but she uh, talks about this story, right? So how to like change a lot of what we're talking about is we have these limiting beliefs, these like self doubts, right? These negative thoughts, negative thinking, whatever it may be. Um, Her story. Doubt, which would be private events, which is your primal verbal behavior. Yeah. It's this verbal behavior that we talk in our head, right? It's so true. You don't always need a listener to have verbal behavior. Um, so she talks about imposter syndrome being like a really crappy best friend, right? Like this person who's like talking to you in your head and saying, Oh, mm, you did it this time, but probably not going to do it next time. Or "Mm, yeah, you did achieve this, but not as good as other people. Or all these things. So you have this like almost like these two people on your shoulders. One is like a really crappy best friend. Um, And she talks about naming them. So like a lot of the talk things about um, helping with imposter syndrome is talking about it, right? Right. What we're doing right now, we're talking about it so that it doesn't seem so scary and that you're all alone. So naming it. Here's your crappy best friend who's self-doubting, who's these limiting beliefs. Now create a really amazing best friend on the other side and name her. So she named hers like Betty Lou, this like, like Southern sput talking, like you're a beard of mess, like all this stuff, whatever it was. But it's like challenge that bad, crappy best friend, that limiting self-doubting person 
with your badass best friend that you've built up. All right. So and these like, are actual behaviors you could do is by yes. you know, setting yourself up to create these things. Um, also, I mean, this sounds a lot like act. If you ask me, throw back to our act me. Yeah. To our, um, other episode about taking these thoughts that come into your head and saying, okay, these are thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, whether you need to change the font of the thought in your head to make it that this is just writing or a statement that's being said, that doesn't mean it's your truth is really important. What's next? I, she's like waiting. It's those like pauses. When is, who's the next person ready to talk? So we don't keep interrupting each other. We're getting better at it. Um, so we've talked about maybe why we have imposter syndrome, right? Got it. Great. Maybe you had a shitty childhood. Maybe, but you... not only that, can I add another thing that I think of? And because I hear from, of course you can co-host, go Thank ahead. You so much. Thank you so much. Hi, Casey. This is Liat Sachs. By the way, every time I call her, that's what I say. I'm like, hi, Casey Liat Sachs here. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is like a hundred times a day, guys, if you guys didn't know. So that. I reintroduced myself. Yeah. Um, so something that I'm thinking, which just talking, I could only speak from a behavior analyst because that's the field I was in. And so if you're someone else in another field, let us know if it's the same. Um, with the supervision process, I mean, during that time, you know, there's a big jump from taking your test to now you're a, a practitioner or a clinician, whatever you want to call yourself. And so you might not have got experience of doing all these things as a um, behavior analyst when you become a behavior analyst and take a test. And so you're in this position of, Oh my gosh, now this is me picking up the phone and talking to insurance. What? Like, like I remember being adult? like, I'm not the adult. Like, where's yeah, the person that's going to do this? Yeah, wait, these parents are looking to me for advice. Wait, what? Right. So like this happens along the way. And I mean, you could hope that you had an amazing supervision experience. And if you're someone listening right now and you still are in your supervision experience, I really encourage you to seek opportunities to engage in these different activities while you can. Like, hey, would you mind if I sit next to you while you call insurance to, you know, um, target hours for this kid? Or do you mind if I help you write this report and this and that? Or can I, can you, can you walk me through what your thought process is while you're doing this? Or can I come to this meeting with you with the parents? You know, a lot of my supervision during it, I was just doing, uh, you know, I did a lot of like direct hours that they needed me to do as a behavior tech. And so I felt like I missed a lot of those opportunities. So when I came into being a BCBA, it's like, here, hi, this, this clinic's yours, go. And you're like, wait, what? And I think that maybe as the field also progresses and um, it's still a really new field. And as the, you know, we hone down on supervision and some people have already taken action and creating these awesome books. And um, for example, the book by um, Reed Parsons and Green is a great book to look up for supervision. But, you know, someone's not always telling you to do these things along the way. So when you're presented with the actual task and you're on your own and ready to fly, you're like, wait, I have wings to fly. And so a lot of it is- um, well, Take ownership for your supervision and you know, it's that old say, like, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. No one's going to do it for you. Like, yeah, you're getting supervision, but you need to, like, for me, I would do a lot of the work outside too. I would take um, CEUs even when I wasn't even a BCBA. I wanted to learn. So I would enroll myself in these things. I would buy these books like that supervision, how to be a great supervisor. 
Like when I was just, I was just she would go to insurance conferences. I went to I'm business like, boot okay, camp. I'm like, that's just weird. No, you went to that insurance thing to learn how to. Yeah, it was the business boot camp. It was in Georgia. And you were in the middle of studying for your test. And I'm like, And I joined the collective live from the bar because I did not want to miss it even though I could have got the recording. But anyways, I'm telling you, like, you got to take ownership because guess what? At the end of the day, you have no one else to blame but you. And we always go, well, I didn't have good supervision. Okay. But like now, and like from, you got to just know what you need to put in for the work. Anyways, soapbox over, rant over, back to imposter syndrome. Leah, can you that tell me? It is part me? of it. It is part oh, of it. Oh, totally. So back to, thank you very much. Tell you what? <laughs> tell me if you could come back in life as something, what would it be? What would I come back as? Yeah. Probably a French bulldog. I'd come back as a cat. That's so funny. I was thinking about this today as I was driving. Well, I wouldn't be a cat because there's a chance that you could be like an alley cat. A French bulldog well, yeah. are so trendy and usually people know what they're spending their money on when they get one that they usually live in a really loving family. That's what I decided lately. I was like, this is not fair that some animals, if there's reincarnation, if it's a thing, that they come back as French bulldogs. That's just like, okay, you're going to find a loving home. But our soul is just the soul. The body's just the body. Like we're li literally just the soul. I'm going way weird right now, but this is going way mentalistic. I just have to talk about when you when I and anyone out there listening with animals. When you wake up in the morning and you have to like go to work and like actually put your like hat on of like who I am today and struggle through, and you're like, oh, and then you look at your animal just like laying on the couch, and you're like, happy friggin' life, huh? Must be nice laying there all day. All right, that was a side note. Why did you ask me that? I was thinking about it earlier today when I was driving of how much easier it would be just to be a cat. And I was like, that's what I'd come back as my cat though. Cause they're so loved. They get fed wet food twice a day. And I was like, I'm going to ask Lee out that today in the podcast, just to like break up this kind of topic. Yes. So something that also you could do when dealing with imposter syndrome or feeling it is as behavior analysts, we say, look at the data, look at the data. Do you have, or look at the permanent products that you have. Literally, you could look at the permanent products being your degrees on the wall. Or mine that's getting dust in the closet, but yes. The or getting dust in the closet, wherever it is. Point is, you have that to look at. You could log in, I'm sure, to your portal from your university and look at your scores or look back at some projects you've written, FBAs while you were studying, whatever it is. Certifications you have, like... When I look back on my list of certifications, what I was a spin instructor, I was a body pump instructor, I was a LNA, I was a recreational therapist certified board, I was a I'm a board certified behavior analyst. All these things, I'm like, okay, so I, I've done that, but I have to tell myself that. So that's one step to look at the actual data of where you are, and another step is taking action to continue to learn, and I think that's huge to realize that this is just or passing the test, for example, is just your start of really starting to learn. Also, you know, you're at the beginning of something. If you don't know something, that's okay. I remember when I was teaching the collective sometimes, some would ask a question because that's normal that questions come up that you don't know every answer to. And I'd be like, oh gosh, I don't know this, blah, blah, blah. But now I own it. I'm like, that is a really good question. Holy crap, I never thought of that. Let me look that up. Let's open up our book together. Um, so I think it's really important to say that makes me human. That makes me real. That shows that I'm aware of what I don't know. And it's That's exciting to keep learning. Learning is so exciting. So if you don't know something, go look it up. And also 
the other thing we wanted to talk about is rewriting your mental program. So like rewriting what you're telling yourself. So if you're going to continue to tell yourself in your private verbal behavior that you don't deserve success, you're not good enough, switch your train of thought. Remind yourself that it's normal not to know everything. Like Leah just said, like keep learning and remind yourself that you do deserve what you've got. You've gotten. You didn't get there because of dumb luck. You got there because of the work that you put in. You didn't get a master's degree or you didn't get a bachelor's degree or you didn't get a um, certification or an accolade based on not doing the work. You, no one just gave it to you. Except with that thing going on right now that's on every Us People magazine cover, whoever these celebs are who got their kids into college by donating like million dollar wings. But that still is, that still would be a contingency, donate the money and now you get into college. So you've done this work to get to where you are. So look at that, that it is, there is determinism there as to why you are getting from one thing to another. Absolutely. And talking about it, like we are right here today, we are sitting here recognizing the fact, and, and even in the SNABA um, safe place chat, whatever it's called, safe place, safe home, safe space, <laughs> safe space. Um, once everyone started sharing their feelings and their stories and their traumas and whatever it may be, and felt safe in the environment, it was a supportive environment, right? It feels so much better to get that off your chest and understand that there's people out there that you see that you think they're perfect that are going through worse or same things or life is not. I tutor so many people and finding out what they've been through after tutoring sessions that no one wants, you don't, you don't meet someone and go, Hey, you want to hear my life story? No, of course not. But being able to talk about it is very important. Absolutely. So what you should take away from this is if you are feeling like an imposter, that's good. You might have some ethical moral code there that you are thinking, uh Oh, what if I don't know everything? And by the way, you guys know that if you are not knowledgeable in a certain area, according to our ethics code, you need to seek supervision for that case, or maybe depending on the situation, maybe you shouldn't take that case if you don't have the supervision, right? You don't want to go out of your scope, but you could seek to learn more about these different things. Find a professional in that area. Find someone who has experience. Seek help. Go to conferences, whatever it is. You will continue to learn. You don't realize, but you are like a sponge taking in things as you go. So it is your responsibility to seek out to learn more. Being an imposter is not something that you have to feel like forever because you are learning along the way. And be kind to yourself, guys. Remember that vulnerability is not a weakness. Being vulnerable makes you beautiful. Okay. I'm serious. Like that's inhuman. So yeah. Inhuman. And like another one is like um, another quote or whatever that's like a total lie is a successful career leads to a successful life. Like, um, no, that's not it at all. All right. You need to retrain your thinking that it's not about how successful you are. That means you're going to be happy or what leads to happiness. Find what makes you happy. It's okay. Being where you're at, as long as you know where you're going and taking committed action to get there. So if you're feeling like an imposter, that's good. You sit in good company with the rest of us. Great. Right here with you, everyone. Love you. Always. I feel your pain. So guys, you're doing great things. We spoke about this. If you have any comments that you want to add to what we've spoken about, you really feel this in your soul, let us know, please. This was a cool, this was actually a really cool topic. And I think it's interesting hearing, and I would love to also hear from people if they feel like this little hypothesis that Casey and I created together 
um, is true that maybe if you were raised in an environment where people said you couldn't or, you know, you didn't have good examples or you weren't led in the right direction necessarily and you're very different from that, that you feel like, well, do I belong here? I was do raised I in this. Yeah, absolutely. So please let us know if this hypothesis you do you deserve it. Yeah, no, you do. But please let us know if this is a if this is a single case design on Casey and not single case design, that's the wrong usage of it, but just a single case instance that we're looking at with Casey or is this across the board? So let us know, please. And that's it for today. As always, thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram, Behavior Riches Podcast, Facebook, Behavior Riches Podcast. Leave us love wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, love you. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started he records our shows he posts them he adds awesome awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing he sends us teaser episodes he does it all we just sit here and friggin' talk we shoot the shit and you can record from home your office the park a bathroom stall at work it doesn't matter he provides the complete podcast studio all you need is a microphone and you're good Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. <laughs>